Don Timberlake, your daily podcast on the Minnesota Timberlake, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Welcome, 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 ladies and gentlemen, to another Locked On Wolves podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. As always, your host here, Colt Molesky, bringing you daily Timberwolves content. Make sure to check out the Locked On Wolves fan rig website for written content from Adam King, as well as prior podcasts. You can also check out my Twitter account, at cmolesky, M-O-L-E-S-K-Y, to check out stories I've written. I also have podcasts posted there. All that good content to get you ready for Timberwolves, for the Timberwolves draft, for NBA playoffs, all that good stuff. Today we have on uh, a return guest, Jeremy Brenner of SB Nation's Dream Shake. He does a lot of Houston Rockets content. He's been following the playoffs diligently. Jeremy, thanks for joining the podcast. For sure, Colton. Always a pleasure. Yep. So, the the series between the Rockets and the Warriors tied up at two apiece. Uh, really great series just because of the two styles of play, the pace and space of the Warriors versus the isolation and kind of the 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 wearing down that James Harden and Chris Paul can do on a defense. And now the series tied at two apiece. And I wanted to approach this a little differently than just saying what you thought. Uh, we're going to do actually a draft over the next few minutes of both rosters and what you have thought of their performance thus far in this series. Not even taking into account what they've done in the playoffs, uh, how they performed in the regular season, just in these four games, what players you would take. But first, I did want to get your just quick reactions to the Rockets being able to tie up the series at four games apiece. Or two games apiece, excuse me. I entered that game uh, a boy. (laughs) <laughs> and I came out a 65-year-old senior citizen. I aged so much in that game. I don't know. I'm still kind of trying to process everything that happened. I am shocked that they did it. But I was I was amazed. And But also, I'm not, I mean, this is the Rockets team I've seen all year long. And mm. um, it's good to see that the national audience can get to see how good this Rockets team is because this is this is the game four Rockets um, were more indicative of, of the Rockets we saw throughout the season compared to game three. Mm-hmm. And the way they were able to control going into that game, I said uh, that they need to really control the pace. And really, for all these games, it's true they really need to control the pace. And if you see the games they're winning, they're holding the the Warriors. You look at that that game, the the advanced stats. They have like a ninety four pace uh, for the game, and you, you look at the Warriors, what they're able to do during the regular season. They had averaged like a a pace of like a hundred and ten. So the fact that they're keeping these games in the half court, uh, it's an impressive feat in and of itself. But it's also that's really the only way they can win these games against the Warriors. Yeah, I think that. We had the game in game two where the Rockets, you know, had their really good shooting night, but that is less likely to happen than uh, what happened in game four, where the Rockets really learned, the Rockets throughout the season learned how to play slow. And they were a really quick team um, going, beginning in the season. And then once the All Star break hit, they really started to take on a much slower pace. You know, the big misconception about the 
about the Rockets this season is that they're seven seconds or less offense because that is who Mike D'Antoni was with Phoenix, and that's somewhat indicative of who the Rockets were last year. But last year's Rockets and this year's Rockets are two incredibly different things. And I think that was shown in Game 4 when the Rockets held the Warriors to 92 points. That team last year wouldn't have done that because they did not have that idea of defense and this this team is much more committed to defense than last year's was you have chris paul who's first team all defense you have pj tucker who is probably your most important defender and then trevor Ariza's has always been kind of the constant but when the rockets you know when they were winning games in the regular season in the way they were they didn't have to play as many minutes in the regular season as they would have uh now and that's why you're seeing the rockets despite you know playing 40 plus minutes for four or five of their guys they're still able to do that because they haven't had to play as many minutes throughout the regular season no their their defense has definitely been better and it's helped so much that they are a deep team that said if i'm drafting players from these rosters based just on this series in the last four games I think I'm still picking Stephen Curry as my number one draft pick. Uh, is that wrong? Is that is that the way? Is that the way you feel about it too? I or mean, I personally would pick Kevin Durant just because, in my eyes, mm. Kevin Durant has had only one off game in this series. That's that's also like the interesting thing about this is. Players have been on and off. Nobody has really played four good games in this series from either team, in my opinion, or at least up to their up to their level. Uh, Kevin Durant play, has played very well in the first three games, but kind of saw a bit of a um, a bit of a decline in Game Four. Whereas Steph, um, Steph, I I would assume Colton he's your number one pick because he's had the best series from Golden State in the last two games. He has had his third quarter moments in game three and in game four. And Steph is one of those players that can just take over a game or take over a series on, you know, on a dime. And I feel like he has the most potential to do that um, in a shorter period of time, whereas Kevin Durant does it more throughout the course of a game as opposed to a small little quarter like uh, Clay or Steph can. Well, and it feels too like if one of those guys is going to be the one that puts up like a 45-point night, it really feels like Steph is the one who's going to do that. We've heard comments from Kevin Durant how he doesn't want to be the guy who's going to score 50 points or score 40 points every single night. How he wants to he wants to, to involve his teammates. He wanted to get better on defense going to the Warriors. Uh, he didn't want to be the, the very centerpiece. He wanted to join really great players. It just feels like everything about the way Durant has been playing this year He's always going to be the guy who has like the 28 and 10 night and is really solid on defense. And if they need a 40 point night with some crazy shooting, Steph is going to be the guy who's launching those shots and taking a a bunch more shots to help out the Warriors get out of a hole rather than Durant. Absolutely. But I mean, Kevin Durant says he doesn't want to, but if he has to, he will. It doesn't mean he can't, exactly. Yeah, I mean, I think that in game two, that was probably the most uh, likeliest time that you'll see. But I feel like at this point, um, Clay is clearly not 100%, um, and neither is Iguodala, which means you really have to rely on uh, 
KD and Steph. And if the Rockets can find a way to limit Steph, then all you got to worry about is Kevin Durant. And I feel like Kevin Durant is going to get his. I feel like that's the best strategy for the Rockets, to be honest, is to find a way to, you know, limit all the other pieces and let one guy go off. And I that's what they did in game two, where Durant had like nearly 40 points, but the rest of the team was completely off their game. And that's where you saw the Rockets win by 20. So I feel like that's the best strategy moving forward for the Rockets. And, you know, if they, if they can do that, I like their chances to get two out of these next three games. I, I mean, it's still going to be very difficult. The Rockets are only halfway to their goal, but I'm, I feel much better about the Rockets now than I have at any other point in this series, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Even before the series began, um, I I like our chances in these next three games. I wouldn't be surprised if the Rockets actually do end up falling, but it wouldn't. Su- nothing can surprise me in this series anymore because we've seen games where the Warriors have won by ten, the Rockets have won by twenty, and lost by forty. <laughs> really, we could see anything happen, and that's the beauty of this series: is you really have no idea what's going to happen until the game actually occurs. Yeah, this series is definitely all over the place. Uh, we're going to get back to talking about the players, uh, do a little bit of our, our like top five picks for a team from both of these rosters after four games of this series, but first, a break for some sponsors. If you're looking at both these rosters, Jeremy, and you're looking at just drafting five players, who are your top, who are your first five picks off of both these rosters based solely off of the last four games? Based solely off of the last four games. Yep, I don't want. I, I want your impact. I don't want any impact to have from like the New Orleans series. I don't want there to be any impact from the Jazz series or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Just the last four games. I'll say, I think the player who's having the best series so far is Kevin Durant. Mm-hmm. I think that I'd be silly to not take him at this point, even even though James Harden is the MVP of the season. I I feel that there's a difference between who's been the best player and the most valuable player and I mm-hmm. feel like because Kevin Durant is on a team with three other all-stars it's hard <laughs> for him to be the most valuable player uh so Kevin Durant is probably my first pick um I'll go James second because I feel like James has um stepped up in the series um to a point where I I really like how he's playing and he's becoming the kind of guy that the that the media and the doubters have said that he won't ever be. I feel like, you know, yes, there's still three games left in the series and there's still a lot of time for opinions to be changed, but I like what James has done in the first four games so far and I really feel like he, he's he been the second best player in the series. And then after that, in no real particular order, probably Steph, um, Draymond, and Chris Paul. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, Clay Thompson is a is a close sixth and I feel like Chris Paul though um he won he on the offensive end without him there's no way the Rockets win game four and Clay although he had a brilliant game one um I don't really feel like they needed him as much as the Rockets needed Chris Paul in game four so that's why I'll go with um Chris Paul over um over Clay Thompson are you surprised that Clint Capella isn't closer to your top five? You know, yes and no, just because I feel like in this series, he just hasn't played as much. And that has to do with the matchups that the Rockets have, 
you know, had and they've drawn up for him. Mm-hmm. Um, he's ha- I don't think he's played a bad series. I think he's actually played pretty well. And he's been kind of under the radar just because you have, you know, nine guys that are probably better than Clint Capella in this series. And, you know, which is kind of weird to say. Maybe that's probably a bit of an exaggeration. Maybe there's five or, you know, there's six or mm-hmm. seven players yeah. that might be better than Clint Capella at this point. In a couple of years, I probably could say that Clint will be in the top three or four in terms of this class, to be honest. I really think that he has a chance as, you know, uh, Clay and Draymond enter their, you know, later years or their, you know, mid-early 30s. I don't know how old they are, to be honest. But um, Clint is going to be a huge factor in this league for a long time. And I think that in this series, he hasn't played himself out. He hasn't done anything wrong. It's just the matter of, you know, this five-person lineup with um, Harden, Chris Paul, uh, PJ, Trevor, and um, and Eric Gordon is simply a more fluid lineup for the Rockets in the series. We call it the Tuck Wagon lineup because uh, PJ Tucker plays the five, and a PJ Tucker reminds Rockets fans of a guy that named Chuck Hayes. I'm not <laughs> sure if you know who Chuck Hayes is. We we like from Minnesota for a little bit or something. Yeah, and we've had this uh, story actually told on the podcast before by uh, some other people covering the Rockets, uh, the Tuck yeah. Wagon, uh, the Tuck Wagon story, and why that is relevant to the Rockets. So I'm yeah. glad that that's a big Tuck thing, Wagon. though. It's an awesome story. This is the Tuck Wagon lineup, and um, it's really been the Rockets' most effective lineup in these playoffs, and arguably the whole season. And it's mm-hmm. only because it allows the Rockets to completely. Um, clear the paint and it allows Harden to drive, allows um, CP3 to drive if need be without anybody in the paint. You really get everybody on the perimeter and you say, "Here, here's your chance. Let's have this dance. And um, you can go for three. You can uh, go for a layup. It's really, it gives the Rockets as much flexibility as possible. The Iguodala injury and uh, him being out of the Hampton Five lineup that they run, does that hurt the Warriors as much as people are are saying or people are anticipating? Or do you think that they can shake this off because of the, the other players on the roster, Curry, Durant, uh, Thompson, Green? Uh, does that hurt them as much as some people think it will? I, I actually think that, yes, Iguodala is a huge part of the Warriors. But in Game 4, I don't really know if it made as much of a difference as people are saying. I don't think it changes the outcome of the game, to be honest, because, look, the Warriors needed offense in that game. Let's be real. The Warriors, the defense was not the issue for the Warriors. It was offense. I don't think that, um, look, Jordan Bell was the person who got the more offensive, um, I guess you could say, output um, that Iguodala left behind. Mm -hmm. And... Jordan Bell, I think, had six points. And I feel like Iguodala would have gotten that or even less, to be honest. Um, defensively, though, the Warriors were fine without him. I feel mm-hmm. that um, Bell wouldn't have played as much or Looney wouldn't have played as much. But they, I think what they did in game one, in game four in the first half was absolutely perfect. They really clogged the paint 
and they wouldn't allow any layups to go through because simply all the Warriors had to do was put their hands up with six foot seven Kevon Looney or six foot seven Jordan Bell, and you're taller than James and you're taller than Chris Paul, and they they play perfect defense. Maybe they missed a foul or two, but for the most part, there were no fouls really committed in that paint where the Rockets usually you know like to go in and draw fouls and get to the free throw line. That wasn't happening in the middle of game one because the Warriors were playing that good of defense because they were putting their longest guys in the paint for um, to stop Harden and Chris Paul, and I think that. It, it worked, and I feel like if Iguodala was there, maybe you employ a similar strategy, but I don't think that you can say that, you know, th- I don't feel like there's an excuse yeah. for Iguodala being out. You know, yes, Iguodala is a really good player for the Warriors, but, I mean, come on, they have four All-Stars already, two MVPs, they are the reigning NBA champions, like, they, they don't need an excuse. I'm sorry, they don't. And, I mean, yes, maybe they would have been better, but, you know, like, win another, you could have won that game still. No, definitely. I think it was there for the taking. Uh, And credit to the the Rockets to go there and grab it in Oakland, a tough place to play. Absolutely. Props to them. Yeah, no. Uh, this has been Jeremy Brenner, uh, SB Nation's Dream Shake. Uh, you can find his articles there covering the Rockets, talking about Houston in their series against the Warriors. One last thing, Jeremy, before you head out here. The Rockets are hosting Game 5. It's going to be in Houston at the Toyota Center. What's the confidence level right now going into Game 5 after winning a game on the road, kind of getting back the advantage after, you, after dropping Game 1 at home? Well... I'll say this. Um, coming in, coming into game one, I was at about a five. I'll be I'll, and it really honestly is still about a five. Um, in throughout the series, it's changed. Um, but I'll say this: the games that I thought the I don't I going after game one was the last game where I expected the Rockets to win, and now I'm expecting them to lose every game. Honestly, because <laughs> I feel like. The Warriors have still been the better team in this series, and you know maybe that's a bad thing for me to say, but I actually feel like the Rockets have. Um, I feel like they got a shot. I mean, I feel like it, it really could go either way. It really depends on execution now and who shows up. And I, I hate to give you like a bad answer. I feel like it's not uh, what you're looking for, but. I feel like it's a five. I really can't give you a prediction. I, I feel like it could go any way. Um, it could, I could. I feel like it's just as likely for the Warriors to win in six as it, as it is for the Rockets to win in six, or the Warriors to win in seven as it is the Rockets to win in seven. I feel like it's a 25% all across the board. Um, I have learned as a Rockets fan and just a Houston sports fan all around to, you know, the less expectations, the less disappointment. And I have not been disappointed in a very long time. So there you go, Colton. I feel like, you know, I just I just like to watch the games now, and I like covering this team because it's a real fun team to cover. And I hope that the series can go as long as it can. I hope the Rockets win at six because it would do a lot for my health as a, as a being. But... I would love for the Rockets to make it to the finals just because for the city, it would be huge, especially mm-hmm. with, you know, the year that they've had with Hurricane Harvey and, you know, the Santa Fe shootings last week. And 
you know, there's so much more that I could possibly talk about. But even after the Astros um, World Series victory, it would still mean so much for the city. And um, it would just, for me, it would mean a lot for my city. It's more for the city than it is for my own personal, um, my own personal fandom, in my opinion now, as I've matured into a, a sports enthusiast. I'll say that. <laughs> what a very mature answer from you. Sure. Yeah. I'm, I'm a senior citizen now, Colton. What, what do you expect? <laughs> yeah, well, you all we're hoping is that the next game doesn't age you as terribly as the last game did. I'm That's all we can really hope for. By by the end of this series, I'll be at least a thousand years old. <laughs> about that. Well, I mean, it could be worse. After the after game one of the Wolves series, I was a thousand years old. Uh, so. Mm-hmm. Uh, it goes, it goes either way, but uh, that was Jeremy of the Dream Shake, uh, the SB Nation page dedicated to the Houston Rockets. Uh, Jeremy, w- anything you wanted to plug, any articles you wanted to plug before we leave? Yeah, sure. Um, I recently wrote an article on the Dream Shake about defense and how important it is, and honestly, I love defense more than offense, to be honest. The, the players that I like the most are the ones that don't make like 35 points a game. They're the guys that really, you know, are grit and grind, mm. like absolute like dog. That's why Patrick Beverly's my favorite ex Rocket. Um, and currently PJ Tucker is filling that void. And I wrote a lot about um, PJ and his impacts on not only the offensive end, but the defensive end. He's been a huge subject of mine throughout these playoffs. And I wrote an article about defense on the dreamshake.com. So you can go check that out. And, yeah, go follow the Dream Shake for, for awesome, awesome content. I believe I'm writing tonight's game recap, so after tonight's game, you can go check that out as well. Excellent. Definitely check out all that content to get you prepped for the playoff game tonight. This has been another Lockdown Wolves podcast. Thank you so much for tuning in, part of the Lockdown Podcast Network.